You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. All right. Well, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be in verse 1 in just a minute as we uh, kind of get going here today. I wanted to mention a few things just about uh, John's Gospel and some, some important key facts as we kind of get into this to kind of give us a framework. And, um, and, and the reason is because John is a little bit different than the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are called the synoptic Gospels. And what that means is they uh, really kind of give a synopsis of Jesus's life. And so they're going to talk a lot about, you know, here, here's where he was born and here's what he did next and here, here are his parents and, and kind of in chronological order, just kind of talk about the life of Jesus all the way to his death and burial and resurrection. And so what John does is it's a little bit different. Instead of a, an, an, um, a, a chronological order of events, he gives us a snapshot. And so a snapshot of various events in the life of Jesus and, and, and diving into those events a little bit uh, more in detail. And so we're going to see some conversations that Jesus has and uh, some, some things that he experiences and a little bit more depth. And one of the reasons why I think um, the, the Gospel of John is, is so, um, you know, just loved by a lot of people. Um, John was written um, after all of the other gospels were written. So those had been circulated uh, in and around the areas. And so I think John probably thought, well, we don't need to rehash everything that, that Mark and Matthew and Luke wrote about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, feel led to do something a little bit different. And so through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God uses John to write uh, the gospel of John uh, this morning. Uh, we're gonna be able to look at it. Uh, in John chapter 20, verse 31, he actually gives us the purpose of the book. In other words, the, the reason why he wrote this book is, is and he just kind of lays it out there for us in verse 31, where he says this, these things are written so that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So these things have been written so that you would know who Jesus is and that you might believe in Jesus. And so there's a, there, there's a two-pronged approach here. He's like, this is why I'm writing and this is why I'm giving this to you so that you would know who Jesus is and so that you would in fact believe in him. Now, another thing that's really awesome about his book is that he kind of has some different themes as it relates to why he's writing and what he's sharing. And, and we know that by just some reoccurring words that we see over and over again. For instance, the word life is, is, is talked about over and over again in the Gospel of John and not so much in the other Gospels. Um, the word life is used seven times in um, Mark and once uh, in Luke I'm sorry, seven times in Luke, uh, once in Mark, and seven times in Matthew. But in the Gospel of John, it's used 22 times. And so this idea of where we find life and that in Jesus we have life. The word uh, world um, is used only a few times in the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's used 76 times in the Gospel of John. So this dichotomy between like living for the, for the kingdom of God versus living for the world, we're gonna see that over and over again throughout uh, the gospel. Um, there's a lot more about Jesus being the light of the world. There's a lot more about love in John's gospel. John's actually called the apostle of love. Uh, the word witness is used over and over again. Um, the word is only used one time in Matthew, three times in Mark and in Luke and 22 times in John. So this idea that you and I are 
called to be a witness um, as to what Jesus has done in our life. And so he's gonna give examples of, of men and, and women throughout this book who are witnesses and have been a witness um, to what Christ has done in their life. But the one word that I think we see the absolute most is the word believe. And so the Greek word for believe is used 11 times in Matthew, 14 times in Mark, nine times in Luke, and 98 times in the Gospel of John. So you can see there's a, a high value placed upon believing. Here's who Jesus is, believe in him. You know, it's not just, here's a bunch of theological facts that you should know and that's gonna make you smart. He says, no, 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 here's what he's done and you've gotta believe in him and believe in him today and trust him today. We see it over and over. And that's why I think this series, more so than um, any other series recently, um, is a great opportunity for you to invite friends, for you to invite family um, who may not go to church, who may not believe in Jesus, because this book, no matter what chapter we're in, no matter what verse we're in, we're gonna be talking about believing in Jesus. And so it's, it's ideal for you to invite family and friends to this. And so we have uh, business size cards in the lobby that you can pick up today. Hand those out at work, invite people in your family. When you're going out to lunch and dinner and whatnot, invite those people who are serving you uh, to come and join us. This is a great opportunity to really impact lives around us. Uh, let me talk about kind of the, the flow of the book. The, after the first 18 verses, what we're going to cover today, we see from verse 18 all the way through uh, chapter 12, we see seven miracles that Jesus performs. And for whatever reasons, John loves the number seven because we see seven miracles. Um, we also see seven in particular individuals that, he, that Jesus ministers to throughout the course of, of, of John's gospel. And so um, people like Nicodemus and, and um, the woman at the well, you remember that story. And so there's just some, some, some conversations and some people uh, that Jesus really spends some time with that we'll see. Through this section also, we see seven I am statements that Jesus makes. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the gate or the door. I am the way, the truth and the life. And so you see these words come, coming to the forefront. I'm the good shepherd and there are seven of them. So again, the number seven is kind of interesting. Um, and then chapters 13 through 17 um, talks about Jesus being in the upper room right before he's arrested and he goes to the cross. And so it's in this upper room that these few chapters he explains like what is the most important thing for you guys to get because he's with his disciples and he's like, guys, I'm getting ready to leave. He washes their feet and he shows them what it means to be a servant. And, and he's like, this, this, this is the last thing I'm gonna share with you guys. You guys gotta listen to this. You guys gotta hear this. And so that part of the book is amazing as well. And then in chapters 18 and 19, you really become, you really come to like the darkest part of the book. And so it's where Jesus is arrested. Um, it's where he's crucified, he's murdered. And so if you don't know the rest of the story, it's kind of a dark portion of the gospel. But thankfully, chapters 20 through 21 um, talks about the resurrected Jesus and, and how he, again, John focuses on relationships and, and conversations that Jesus has. And so Jesus is talking to Mary. He's talking to Thomas. He's talking to Peter. Um, and so they see the resurrected Jesus and he encourages them and inspires them to continue um, to grow in their faith. And, and really that's my prayer for our church as we move through this gospel. Um, we are, we're, we're asking God to grow our faith and we're asking God for people to come to know Christ. Because as we talk about who Jesus is and then we say, hey, we want you to believe in him. 
you know, this is where I believe God is going to, to, to change some lives over the, the coming weeks. And so um, I said this in the first two services and they all laugh. So it's kind of giving this away, but it's going to take us a couple years to go through the Gospel of John. Um, like literally, it's, it's a long book. And, and so it's going to take some time because we're not going to go through um, from start to finish in the sense that um, we're never going to take breaks um, because we are going to take some breaks here and there and, and go through our family series and go through, you know, various other series that we feel led to do to kind of mix it up and, and, and those kinds of things. So we will do that, but um, our, our hope and belief is that, you know, we're gonna see growth, especially in this service, and we're gonna see people come to know Christ, and maybe that's gonna be you uh, today. Um, so what we experienced this week um, was first off a pretty good football game last night, by the way, um, and uh, they did okay, even though they got beat. I think if you're a UT fan, you're okay with, with what's going on there, but you probably stayed up late. That's why we're able to sleep in and, and uh, come to this service. But uh, we also this week uh, remembered uh, the tragedies of 9-11, 13 years um, since 9-11 took place. And I don't know about you, but I can remember the exact time and the exact place uh, where I was when I saw everything unfolding. And, and every time uh, this you know, plays out every year and you see those images and videos and it just brings back all of that, that pain and loss. And um, I'm sure many of you were affected greatly by that. And um, one of the stories that, that came out of 9-11 intrigued me and I, I learned about it a couple of weeks ago and I thought it would be great to, to share today. And it was um, from a woman by the name of Tanya Head and maybe you've heard of her. She, she became a, a really popular survivor of um, the South Tower um, that was hit. And so she tells of her story um, uh, crawling through the chaos of the 78th floor. And as she's crawling, you know, and trying to survive this, this chaos, she comes across a man who gives her his wedding ring. And later she gives it to um, his uh, widow because he, he, he dies in the tragedy. She talks about the tragedy of losing her husband in the North Tower who died that day. And, and she became very popular because there weren't uh, very many people that survived um, from the 78th floor and above. So she was very uh, rare in, in, in that sense. And so as, she, as, as her popularity grew, she actually became the president of the World Trade Center's Survivor Network. So she's the president leading this network, uh, raising thousands of dollars for this. Um, she said this, what I witnessed there, I will never forget. It was a lot of death and destruction, but I also saw hope. The problem with her story is that it's a complete, utter lie. She was not in the South Tower. Matter of fact, they've now discovered that she was actually in Europe when the tragedy took place on 9-11. She is not an eyewitness. She is a fake and a liar and she has been exposed. There's since been a book written about her that's come out uh, explaining this whole story. And if you were a part of her, her life or in, in, in all of these events, you can imagine how utterly disappointed and broken you would be because you believe what this person said. She said she was an eyewitness, but she was not. She lied about the whole thing. And I thought about that as it relates to our study today because John was an eyewitness. John, the son of Zebedee, he was there. He was not only there, but he was actually in Jesus's, what we would call his inner circle. 
because there were 12 disciples and he was a part of the 12, but he was also in the inner circle. So you see stories over and over again where Jesus is like on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus encounters this and and they see Moses and Elijah and, and it says that Peter, James and John were there. You see, John was an eyewitness to all of these events. He experienced the life of Jesus. He saw the miracles. He saw Jesus die, but he also saw the resurrected Jesus. He was there. He's a real person. As a matter of fact, history teaches us in, in, in documentation um, outside of the Bible that John actually discipled a man by the name of Polycarp. And he's, that's, you're probably not gonna name your kids after Polycarp, I get that. Uh, but his story is so amazing and it'll bring you to tears. I encourage you to Google that today and read his story. He, he died for his faith in Christ, but John disciples him. Polycarp then disciples a man by the name of Irenaeus. And Irenaeus is one of the early church fathers. He wrote um, several different works and including works against um, Gnosticism that was going on that day. The Catholic church has sainted Irenaeus. And so uh, through his writings, he actually talks about stories that Polycarp and John did together. And so he's like, yeah, the guy that discipled me, Polycarp, he and John were doing this and doing that. And it's really neat to kind of read those passages and those stories and, and those things. And like John is a real dude, uh, Polycarp is real, Irenaeus and on and on and on. These guys are, are, are written in the history books. Like John is real, he's the son of Zebedee and he is the author of this book. And so we can trust this account that God uses this man, John, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes this uh, book, he writes these words and there, I, I believe wholeheartedly, there's not one error in this, like it is all inspired by God and, and, and by it, we can find life and eternal life and forgiveness of our sins and we understand and learn who this man, Jesus really truly is. And so to start the book, if you're, if you're not there, let's go there. Um, but in, in verses one through 18, we're gonna, we're gonna look at this today. And, and kind of like when you meet somebody new, the first thing you probably ask is, hey, what's your name and, and where are you from and what do you do? And, and those kinds of questions usually come out when you're getting to know someone. And in the same way, that's kind of how John starts this book. He's, he's like, hey, this is who Jesus is. And he explains who he is, where he came from and, and, and what he's done. And, and after he explains this in the first 18 verses, he'll spend the next 22 chapters uh, explaining why we should believe in him. And so um, let's go there. Let's begin in verse one and uh, see what God has for us today. It says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not, not anything made that was made. So let's just stop there. So the word here is Jesus. So in this text, we see in the beginning, which clearly reminds us of Genesis chapter one in the very beginning of creation where God says, in the beginning, I created the heavens and the earth. Here again, in the beginning is what he uses. And in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. So if you're taking notes today, and by the way, I hope you take notes. They say that we forget 90% of what we hear. And so when we go through this entire book, 
If you take good notes, I mean, God's gonna share some things and encourage you and, 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 and you're gonna learn some things that you never thought about or you never read before. And, and if you'll jot those down, you know, this week and later this year, you're gonna be able to turn back and see the entire gospel of John, like your notes and your life and what was going on and, and what God taught you. And I think, I think it would just be a, a huge faith builder for you if, if in fact you did that. So if you're taking notes, number one is Jesus is God. He starts out, in the beginning and in the beginning was the word was Jesus he was with God and the word was God now this is a very important text for us as far as it relates to the doctrine of the Trinity so the Trinity simply means that we serve and know and understand the God of the Bible to be one God in three persons Father Son and Holy Spirit now you're probably thinking I don't get that and, and get in line, bro. Like the last hundred, hundreds of years, people are trying to explain and illustrate the Trinity and, and it's hard to put into words. And the reason is because God is so complex and our little pea brains can't completely grasp God, okay? And, and by the way, that's a good thing because if you could completely grasp God, then he wouldn't be very awesome, would he? Like, oh yeah, I got God figured out. I, I learned about him and we're cool. I'm, I'm done, I'm gonna move on. Ow. Oh can't do that with God. I mean, thankfully, he's so complex and so supreme and so amazing that, that we can't comprehend him. So that in and of itself, I think, is an encouragement here when you think about the Trinity. But it clearly teaches us that Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. And not only that, he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. So Jesus is at creation. He is making and creating there is not like a day when God says, I think I'll create a son and send him to earth. And, and so let me, let me create Jesus. And then, hey, Jesus, let's go and create this earth thing. No, in the beginning, Jesus existed. He has eternally existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God in one. Now, this is big because this, this separates us from every other religion, every other religion. Um, no one no other prophet or so-called prophet or religious leader claimed to be God as Jesus did. And as, as we see here, uh, Muhammad never claimed to, to be God, Confucius, Buddha, they never claimed that. So Jesus is either the biggest liar in the history of the world and deserves hell more than any of us in this room, or he was telling the truth. And we better serve him as our savior and our guide and our God. And so today we see that not only is that a huge, huge difference, but like even in, in forms of religion, like the Je Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, they believe that Jesus was a good person, but they don't believe that Jesus was actually divine or that Jesus was in fact uh, God. And so they actually have their own version of the Bible and they come to this verse where it says that the word was God and they actually uh, insert a word and they, they insert the word in, and the word was a God. And so they believe that Jesus was, was a good person, but not uh, equal to the Father. And that's where we would say, no, 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 it's clear. Elementary Greek in seminary taught me that it is impossible to translate this as a God. Jesus was and is God today. And so we must serve him and recognize him as that today. Not only that, but, but this understanding and this truth really begins to, to really widen the gap between us as believers and an atheistic worldview. Because in, a, in an atheistic worldview, an atheist would believe that before anything, there was matter and energy. 
and, and we're not sure where the matter and energy was created from, but we just know there were atoms and there were molecules and there was energy of some sort. And over the course of billions and billions and billions of years, this energy and this matter uh, began to form into what we call life and then organisms and then plants and animals and then finally humanity. And so no designer, no purpose, no function, no, no specific and in, in intentional process here. It just happened and just spun into existence. Now, obviously, that's a theory and obviously they can't prove that. Uh, and obviously that takes a great deal of faith to believe that. But as a believer, our faith is in the fact that in the beginning there was life. And that life, as the Bible teaches us, was the light of men. It was God himself. God existed. There's never been a time when God was created. There's never been a time where, where, where God wasn't. God has eternally existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He didn't invent the Holy Spirit after Jesus died. He is three persons, one God forever. And we understand him to be that. Um, from scripture, we see that time and time again. Jesus is God. But secondly, Jesus is life. Look at verse four, let's continue. It says, in him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. So Jesus is life. If you have Jesus in your life, you have true life. This life is eternal life. This life is salvation. This life is, is our spiritual life. And if we have the Son, if we have Jesus in us, we have life. Now the problem is in our world, People try to find and discover what life is um, outside and apart from Jesus. And so maybe it's relationships. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive into some relationships, hoping that my significant other is going to encourage me and, 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 and help me to have a good life. But what we quickly find out is that our significant other does in fact make a lot of mistakes. They make us mad and there's a lot of tension in that relationship. So we find out that, wait a minute, a significant other is not going to bring us ultimate happiness and joy and true life. Some of us think that it's through money and stuff. And so we're gonna you know, have more you know, money and more money means more stuff. And, and that's gonna give me a good life and my kids a good life. But what we realize is as we start to make money, we realize that, well, we never have enough. And as soon as I get a little bit, I need a little bit more. And, and so that doesn't satisfy, it doesn't bring us life. And the reason is because only Jesus brings life, eternal life, and what he calls later, life to the fullest. Now, some of you are thinking, you know what, Trent? I've got Jesus, but I still feel frustrated, insignificant, and I don't feel like I have life. I don't feel like I have life. And I would say to you that, that as we come to know Jesus, as we are in his word, as we are developing relationships with his people, as we are serving him and, and discovering our purpose in life, then it's the, those are the opportunities and the ways that we begin to experience ultimate true life and true joy. And so, so sometimes it's, it's immediate, but then other times it's a process of us growing closer to him and developing relationships. And through all of those areas, God's word, uh, faithfully attending, you know, small groups and relationships, serving God. It's through those experiences that God brings life in a fuller sense. Now, when we immediately receive Jesus, we have eternal life and that's the end of that deal. But as far as life to the fullest, that's a process that we begin to learn and grow into. Let's go to verse five. 
He says, um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Some translations say, like in the King James in the uh, NASB, translate that word overcome as understand or comprehend. The idea is that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness doesn't understand it. The darkness can't overcome the darkness. It cannot comprehend the light. And so this is important for us as we understand what it means to follow and trust him because before Jesus, we are blind to the treasure of understanding and knowing Jesus. We're blinded to how valuable the cross is. We're blinded to the fact that that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. We're blinded by our spiritual darkness and life that only comes through Jesus makes seeing possible. And so so that's why I pray for for my unbelieving family members. That's why I pray for unbelieving friends. And and that's why we encourage you to, hey, you you need to invite friends. You You need to bring lost people to church so that they can hear about Jesus, so that they can understand Jesus and and, and the Holy Spirit can bring them out of that darkness and into the light that only he can provide. Verse six says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, not the John that wrote this book, but he's talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So at this time, when this was originally written and it began to circulate in the area, um, you, you would have known who John the Baptist is. Oh yeah, he was that guy that wore the camel skin and ate locusts and he was out baptizing people in the wilderness. That's that guy. And, and they were kind of confused. They thought that guy was the Messiah or that guy was some you know, special anointed prophet that was gonna save them from something. He's like, no, 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 no. John himself said that he, he wasn't the Messiah. He was actually a witness to the guy that was gonna come and his name is Jesus. And that's what John is explaining at this point right here. Hey, this is John, he's a witness. Verse nine, he goes back to the light. He says, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this is big, this is huge. Because he says, look, look, Jesus came into the world. He came to his own people, but they rejected him. They said, no, he's not the Messiah. He came to them. He, 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 he did miracles. He, he did all these wonderful things. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave, but still yet people rejected him. People said, no, 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 we're not gonna receive him. But he said, there were some that did receive me. He came to his own people in verse 12. And all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he then gave the right to become children of God. Now, this is huge because contrary to popular belief, a lot of people think that just because we're born, we're all children of God. That God loves everybody and, and, you know, we're all children of God. He loves us all. And while there is a sense that, yeah, God loves uh, all of his creation, we are not children of God by the fact that we were born into this world. We are children of God. Look at the verse again, verse 12. We are children of God and he gives that right to those who receive him and those who believe in his name. 
So if you have not believed in Jesus, if you have not received him into your life, then you are not a child of God. The Bible says that you are spiritually uh, blinded, that you are spiritually uh, dark. And so the light has come, but you have not understood it. You have not received it. And so again, that's why we're so passionate about evangelism at Foothills Church. I mean, we want people to know Jesus. We wanna share Jesus. We wanna persuade, Jesus, uh, persuade people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by him. I mean, this is what drives us. This is what, this is what energizes us. We want people to know this about Jesus. And so, so if you were like, grow, if you grew up in church and, or, or maybe you, you weren't around church at all, um, but at the end of the day, like, like you've never had a moment where you've received Jesus into your life, then, then I would say, do that today. The Bible says that you're not a child of God, but the Bible also says that today is the day of salvation. So like you can make that decision today. God through his grace can save you today and then give you the right to be a son of God, to be a, a daughter, daughter of the most high king. He gives us that right. He adopts us into his family. Some of you were baptized as, as a baby and you're, you're, you're banking on the fact that you were baptized as a baby as like your salvation experience. But um, I, 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 want to, I don't want to belittle what took place in your family when you were a, you know, a baby at that time. But the Bible would say that the only significance about that event is, is, is you were taking a bath. <laughs> like it, it has nothing to do with your spiritual journey. Um, because baptism is a sign, is a symbol of the inward commitment that we've made. And so while it's great and all, and you're not a bad person for doing that, and your parents aren't bad for doing that, I would say, and the Bible would say, that apart from a decision to follow Jesus, His grace saving us, we're not children of God, therefore there's no reason to be baptized. We're baptized after we accept Christ into our life, and, and He gives us the right to become a child of God. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This was our rebirth. This was what Jesus calls a rebirth. And so we're brand new, we're new creation. Has that moment happened in your life? If I were to say, share with me your story of how you came to know Christ, how would you respond? I mean, would you say, well, I've always believed? No, you haven't. Well, I've always been in church, so what? Has there been a time in your life where you've, you, you've admitted that you're a sinner and you've dedicated your life to serving and following Jesus, where you've believed in him? That's the most important decision you and I will ever make in our entire life. So Jesus is God. Secondly, Jesus is life. And thirdly, Jesus was a man. Look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's the, here's the reality. Jesus is God in human form. He took on flesh and bones and walked upon this filthy earth with sinners like me and you. He left heaven as Philippians 2 describes, like he leaves heaven and comes in the form of his creation to walk amongst us, to feel pain, to, to suffer and to die, to experience those around him who are in sin. And he does this for you and I. He became flesh and dwelt among us. This is huge. You know what this means? Jesus is with us. 
you're a believer today, Jesus is with you. He knows what you're experiencing today. He knows the problems that you have financially. He knows the problem that you're going through relationally. He knows the problems that are going on in your mind like nobody else knows but you. He knows those thoughts that kind of keep coming back to you. Maybe it's shame from, from past sins, but all these things that are going, he, he knows. See, Jesus is with you. See, a few things we need to know about God's presence. In, in the Old Testament, God's presence was in an actual location. It was the temple. It was where the Israelites went and, and, and gathered for worship. And so the actual Greek word here that, that says that he dwelt among us can be translated literally as he pitched his tent with us. And that immediately would, would, would reference the, the wilderness experience that the uh, Israelites were going through because they didn't have a building, they had a tent. And everywhere that they went, they would erect this tent and inside the center of the tent was what was called the Holy of Holies. The Ark of the Covenant was there and that's where God's presence was actually manifested. Like it was literally the presence of God there. And so they would gather for worship there to experience him. And then later, um, they actually built the temple. King Solomon built a temple, physical structure, once they went into the promised land and, and years and years had passed by. And so inside the center of the temple was again, the Holy of Holies. And the priest would enter the Holy of Holies and there was a veil that covered that opening and he would go in there once a year and he would make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And nobody else was allowed to go in there. No one else was, was, was able to do that. So they would tie a rope around his leg just in case he died or, or passed out or whatever. Then they could drag him out because nobody else was going in there. The presence of God was there. That's why when Jesus dies on the cross, the scripture teaches us that the veil was torn because now the veil is torn, symbolizing that the presence of God is not just in that location, in that temple. The presence of God now has changed. So it changed from being in a location, in a building or in a tent to Jesus walking around in human form, flesh and blood, the presence of God with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. It moved from, from Jesus, the, the God man, walking around on earth to he dies, he, he is resurrected, and then he ascends to heaven. And what was his promise? He says, after I leave, I'm gonna send the guide to you. I'm gonna send a helper to you. It is the Holy Spirit. And then on the day of Pentecost, God sends the Holy Spirit, manifests himself in unbelievable, miraculous ways. And from that moment on, those who believe in Jesus, God's presence is different now. God's presence is now within us. It's within us. And so he dwelt among us and now his presence is, this doesn't mean he's with you. He's with you no matter what you're experiencing. He's never gonna forsake you or leave you. Every time that we don't feel his presence, it's because we are drifting from him. We're walking away from him. We're hardening because of sin in our life, his presence and, 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 and hearing from him again. That's why it's so key that we're in God's word. It's so key that we're in relationships with other believers. That's why the Bible says don't give up meeting together. Um, it's kind of like this. It's like if you ever, I, I love fall and like having outdoor fires. I mean, that, that's me, man. I love the, that's the one thing I love about fall is being around a fire outside and I can just stare at a fire for hours and time passes by and, and, and I love it. But you know, the thing about a fire is if you take one of those hot coals out and you take that hot coal and you place it, I mean, just a, you know, six inches away from the fire, foot away from the fire, it doesn't have to go far. If you place that coal outside of that fire, it's only a matter of, of minutes and that hot burning coal turns into black nothing, right? Just a piece of dried, burnt up wood. 
The same happens to us spiritually. You know, the fire, I would, I would illustrate that as, as saying like being in God's presence, being amongst God's people, being in God's word. And as we do those things, that fire is stoked. But if we separate ourselves from relationships, if we separate ourselves from God's people and, and his word, then, then the fire quickly burns out. And so it's so key that we continually press in and understand who Jesus is in a deeper way. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 15, John bore witness about him. Again, John the Baptist. And he cried out, this was he of whom I said, he comes after me and he ranks before me because he was before me. Now, wait a minute. He was before you, John. Wait a minute. John, and, John the Baptist and Jesus were, were more than likely cousins. Okay, we, we, we think we, we know that. And John the Baptist was born before him. So he was six, six 12 months older than, than Jesus. But here he's saying, no, wait a minute. He came before me. So again, referencing the fact that he has always been because he is God. Verse 16, and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. What is this grace upon grace? What is this law he speaks of here? Well, in the Old Testament, again, God has given Moses the law. And so the law is, is, is everything that they had to follow and all the rules and all the regulations. And so uh, the New Testament in the book of Romans teaches us that God gave the law so that we would see and know just how sinful we are because it's impossible to fulfill. There's no way we could fulfill it. And God says, yeah, that was my point. I wanted you to realize that you could never measure up, that you could never earn this on your own. And so this grace upon grace is the fact that we no longer are, are, are bound to the Old Testament law, but Jesus has come and because he's come, his grace has been given to us. And it's his grace upon grace because he has showed us his love and, and we now have forgiveness and now we can walk in newness of life. He gives us life here in this life and then also eternal life. This is what he has given us to us. Now I ask you, have you experienced this grace? I, I love what he says in verse 14. He says, we've seen his glory. Glory as the only son. Have you seen his glory? I mean, John, John saw it. Like literally, he was on the top of the mountain when God's presence like a cloud came over Jesus and his face was glowing and he saw Moses and, 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 and he was there and he saw that, he saw God's glory. Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? Say, well, how do I do that? How do I experience his grace? How do I experience his glory? And, and again, not to oversimplify this, but, but are we in his word? Because this is how we see his glory. We, we read of it and experience his truth. That's his glory. But then also as we serve and as we see people serving around us, then we see him moving. When you see someone's life changed, we baptized in the first service today, a young person whose life has been changed we, we heard his story and his, his, his testimony of how God changed him. And, 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 and we see that and I say, I see evidence of God's grace. I see evidence of God's glory. I'm seeing God's glory through this young person's life. And, and so as I see life change happening, I'm saying, okay, that's God's glory. He's, he's revealing that to me. It's his grace upon grace that I experience every day that I'm alive and that I'm breathing. And, and, and I just wonder, what is your story? Have you received him into your life? Have you accepted him into your life today? Or, or are you just somebody that attends church? 
Maybe this is your first time here, first time in a long time, and you, you would say, Trent, I'm really disconnected. I kind of went at some point in my life, but now I'm kind of coming back and, and I'm kind of lost. I love it here and I'm, I'm diving in, but, but Trent, I, if I was honest with you today, man, I'm lost. And I would say, bro, don't leave today without receiving Jesus, believe in him. He is God, he is life. I know you're searching for life because we all are. In him, you'll find life. He was a man and, and he has sent now his spirit to live within us, which means he is with us today. He reveals himself all around us. And so before you leave today, if, if you would say that's you, I would encourage you to go to the prayer and care room and just say, you know, I, I, I'm, I need to receive Jesus. There's never been a time where, where I've done that and I wanna receive him today. And, and we have volunteers that will pray with you and, and walk you through that decision and, and I'm praying for that to take place today and every other day we gather around the gospel of John. And so uh, let me close with this. Let me close with homework. And so I gave homework to the other, other services as well. So um, homework is this, everybody loves homework. I want you to go home. I want you to take a three by five card and I want you to write your story on that card and then put it on your refrigerator so that your spouse can see it, so that your kids can see it so that your buddies, when they come over to your house and hang out with you, they can see it. You say, why three by five card? My story is really long, Trent. I wanna talk about Jesus and, and that's great. We all have the extended version, right, of, of, our, of our life, but I want you to think through your, your short version. version. So, so like everybody should be able to give their story of how they came to know Jesus in, in one paragraph. In less than a minute, it, sh it should take you two minutes tops of how you came to know Jesus. And so here's what's gonna happen. Some of you are gonna go home and uh, your spouse is gonna be like, hey, I did my card, it's on the fridge and your kids did their card. Where's your card, mom? Where's your card, dad? And you're gonna be like, I don't know if I have one. I don't know if I have one. Some of you are gonna read it and you're gonna be like, hmm, that's a messed up story right there because that ain't, that ain't what he was talking about on Sunday. And so that's my point. That's why we do homework. So I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to think through it. Don't just think about how you're gonna pay the bills. Don't just think about what you're, what you're doing for lunch in a few minutes. Think about your faith. Think about your faith. Think about this book. Think about this God. He is with us. He is moving. He is, he is loving and he is doing extraordinary things in our midst. Don't miss out on what he wants to do in your life. I'm gonna pray for you. James is gonna come and close us in a song just to sing over us that I think will encourage you um, in the fact that God is with us all the time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. Your word is truth. We thank you for the, your son dying on the cross for our sins. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would indeed open up our mind, open up our heart to new truth. We wanna grow. We wanna experience you. We want to follow you and trust you. And Father, I'm praying for everyone in this room in every service that we've had today that we would see men and women coming to know you, that we would see new faces every week being confronted with the gospel and falling in love with Jesus. We pray, Lord, that we would take the truth that, that you are with us today and be encouraged by that. We pray that we would take the truth that you are God and, and that your presence is real amongst us, that, that we would worship you accordingly. Help us to focus our life in and upon you and your truth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.